0: Welcome to the Business Big Bang Theory, a podcast from the Business Centre where we talk about all things small business.
1: Welcome to the Business Big Bang Theory podcast and our series on cybersecurity culture. Martin Thurgate joins us today. He has over 25 years experience in the IT industry. Martin proudly holds the position of director and equal owner of Diamond IT after joining the business in 1998. His mix of both technical knowledge and business Acumen makes Martin one of the leading IT experts in the region with unique skills in helping businesses understand the benefits that a strategic technology partnership can deliver. His vast industry experience and sound knowledge of cybersecurity and cloud solutions allow him to craft technology solutions that support business objectives. Martin is most passionate about helping other businesses harness the agility, productivity, and security that modern technology offers and sharing his experience to help them gain a competitive advantage
0: if you have a business problem or question get in touch with us we can get our team of advisors and experts to help you with your business problems in an upcoming show hi i'm Kristen,
2: and i'm sarah from the Cybersecurity Culture Program here at the Business Centre, Newcastle. This project is funded by Australian Government Department of Industry, Science, Energy and Resources through the Cybersecurity Business Connect and Protect Program. Cybercrime reported through Report Cyber costs on average small businesses almost $9,000 and medium businesses over $33,000. So this series will be highlighting a range of cybersecurity issues within businesses around culture, impacts of breaches, what to look out for, real-life stories, where to seek support or report a breach, and some easy strategies to start protecting your customers and your brand. It is crucial to be proactive and have strategies in place for protection. Let's welcome today's guest, Martin from Diamond IT, Director, to discuss cloud security.
3: Martin, can you please help me know something? I want to know why should I be concerned about cloud security?
2: Look, it's a great question. And
4: I think it's useful to probably just think about the history of cybercrime. And I think if you go back, you know, the last 30 years, I think what's in everybody's mind is viruses. You know, that's been the sort of number one thing. And so in terms of How do we mitigate against that? Well, you have an antivirus program. And so I think for a long time, businesses have probably felt that, you know, so long as I've got an antivirus program and I'm sort of sitting behind a corporate firewall, I'm protected. I should be okay, right? And the reality is that today, I think more and more businesses are consuming cloud-based applications. And therefore, that security that maybe once was relevant years ago is, is becoming less and less relevant. And the other part, too, is that the cyber criminals are just getting more and more clever. They're not creating viruses and malware the way that they used to. And in fact, what they're doing is using day-to-day tools to perpetrate some of the the things that they're doing. So, for example, with a ransomware attack, for example, it's not necessarily a virus. What it can be is actually just executing a script which runs a, a completely legitimate program. But the program encrypts your files and unless you have the key, you can't get access to it. So traditional antivirus programs uh, really don't pick up any of those activities. And, and that's why I think it's, it's really important to start thinking about security, particularly cloud security.
3: So what is cloud security then?
4: Yeah, look, I think it's Probably distinct from, as I just mentioned, things like antivirus, and mm-hmm. really it's it's extending your security posture beyond just the traditional antivirus and firewall. But they're really the key thing, and, and I'm sure we'll go into a lot more of it. But things like staff training, you know, this is a this is a really important one now, and a lot of something that organisations are considering, getting more proactive about making sure that their staff are trained about you know, cyber security threats. Things like two-factor authentication, another. You know, Another mm-hmm. great example: uh, using a password manager. You know, mm-hmm. uh, if you're like me, you've got you know literally over a hundred different passwords to various mm-hmm. different sites and applications that you go to. So it's yeah. really important to have a password manager. You're not going to be able to remember those passwords, and the worst thing you can do is write them down or put them in a text mm-hmm. file on your computer or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just asking for trouble. So you know, there's there's lots of just these little simple recommendations that when you add them all up they can make a really big difference.
3: So, what are those main types in of cloud security for me to be aware? I mean, I, I think I use it in my day-to-day. Let's just, I'll just I don't want to promote anyone in particular, but I think Google's a good one. I think I mean, I put all my photos and store them I, I guess that's cloud security. Is that right? Is that one of the one main ones?
4: Yeah. Look, it definitely is. You know, even if we think about ones that all of us have. So not even just in the business environment, but but all of us, you know, might have Facebook. We've got some kind of you know social media. So yeah. Look, it's important to protect everything, no, so is, no matter what it is, whether it's business or otherwise.
3: So are you saying that if I'm putting photos on Facebook or Instagram or some sort of social media? Is that cloud security? Well, you have to think about cloud security in that context,
4: yeah. So simple things like, for example, I think a lot of people probably aren't aware that Facebook supports two-factor authentication. So it's not just your username and password. You can actually add an additional layer of security, such as a mobile phone or, or an app that you can use to make sure that... The person who's logging into your Facebook account is you and not somebody else. So you mentioned Google before. It's exactly mm-hmm. the same. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I use uh, two-factor authentication, not just for my business applications, but pretty much all the applications that I use. So I, mm-hmm. I've got, you know, well over 20 different uh, applications that are supported by two-factor authentication. So that that's a really simple one, I think, is, is two-factor authentication. I think it's one that everyone's heard of. So okay. I probably won't dwell too much on that one. But... Okay. Probably the recommendation that I'd have for people there is to think about it going beyond just, for example, your Office 365 environments and, and some of your you know, core applications, you can use it to protect a lot of different applications and you absolutely should turn it on if it's uh, if it's possible.
0: Do you have a part-time business that you'd like to take full-time and beyond? Our experienced business advisors can support you in growing your area and making that big bang in business. Contact us at businesscenter.com.au. Okay, so you just said Microsoft 365
3: and talking about social media can we talk about that a bit more in detail in regards to how uh, when we're using social media and Microsoft 365 because this is I don't know where I get these figures from I'm just pulling them out but a lot of people uh, seem to be running off Microsoft 365 so how is the cloud used in these scenarios?
4: Yeah great question and and I know for Diamond you know a lot of our customers the vast vast majority of them are using Office 365 uh, and that would be the same for most businesses I think Mm -hmm. so Yeah, look, this is a great one to talk about. And, you know, there's lots of different steps that you can take to to secure your O365 cloud environment. We already talked about multi-factor authentication, but there's, there's many others too. And one thing that people probably don't realize about O365 is that by default, when you initiate a tenant, the security is is quite low. And and really, I think Microsoft's strategy around that is that they want the system to be very usable and user-friendly they don't want it to be difficult to use. And so there's always a trade-off between usability and security. And so yeah, again, when you when you enable that tenant for the first time, it comes up. It's it's got a lot of things uh, that are sort of probably on by default, which when you you know investigate and look at it, you probably want to disable potentially to reduce the I suppose the attack surface so that the cyber criminals have less things that they can try and attack. So so yeah look the, the Microsoft have something called their security and compliance center. Now it's not necessarily something that everyone's going to want to go into. It's a little bit technical but what you should do is speak to your IT provider and just make sure that you're getting the reports from the security and compliance center. So there's there's really simple reports that you can pull out things like how many accounts in my organization have emails being forwarded to an external mailbox? Now, when you think about that, you know, generally speaking, you shouldn't need to have emails being forwarded outside of your organization. And that's actually one of the main ways that the bad guys can infiltrate your your environment and get information from your network is by setting up forwarding rules. Mm -hmm. So that's just a really simple report that you can get sent to you, say, once a week that says, here's how many accounts in our network have email forwarding turned on. Ideally, it should be zero. But again, it just having that information could be a signal that, oh, wait a minute, there could be, a, there could be a, a bad actor inside my network. So there's lots of reports like that that I think just everyday business people can receive through Microsoft and throughout 0365.
3: So what businesses are those that would be using the forwarding function?
4: Yeah, look, there shouldn't really be many reasons to forward emails outside of your organisation. The ones that come to my mind are things like maybe, they're things like marketing, if you're using a a sort of marketing uh, an external marketing provider, or something like that, and you needed to forward those emails uh, directly to a third party. That might be one reason, but but yes, mm-hmm. uh, generally speaking, there's there's not many good reasons to have emails being forwarded mm-hmm. outside of your own organisation, and it's it's a signal generally that that there's actually a, a perpetrator inside your network.
3: And will I know that?
4: Without the reports, you won't. Yeah. Right. So, so this, this is the, the, the important thing, and this is probably the message um, that I've, I've got for people today, is that Microsoft have these capabilities, they have these great reports that, that you can uh, get access to, but they're not on by default. Right. So you need to speak to your IT provider or if you're, you know, an IT person yourself, you can go into the O365 administration portal and you can actually enable those reports and make sure that they're, they're getting sent to you. E- email forwarding is just one example. You know, there's, there's many, many other examples. So, for example, you might want the report on how many people have full administrative access to my entire Uh, 0365 cloud environment now again the the number of those should be very very limited maybe one okay (laughs) now if suddenly uh you receive a weekly report and you notice that all of a sudden there's two or three new accounts that have you know uh, privileges to your entire organization again that might be a signal that there's something going wrong and that there's actually a, a bad actor inside your network
3: if I come to you, you'll be able to go through my information and help me out with my 365, for example?
4: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And, and you know, Diamond can certainly help in that regard. And, and you know, your IT provider should be able to, to um, help you just ensure that you're going through a process of hardening your environment. So another great thing that Microsoft have is they, ha- they give you a scorecard. It's actually a security scorecard. Okay. Uh, and that, that, I think that's a great initiative. And they, they did that quite a few years ago now. But um, it, it gives you a rating and it's, a, it's out of a, it's quite a large number. It's in, in the many hundreds. But again, a lot of organisations, when they turn on their O three six five 365 tenant, a lot of the things that, that they can secure aren't secured by default. And it's really going through that scorecard and saying, oh, okay, that, that's, that's something that I think I can enable. It's not going to have a, a, an impact on, on the usability of the system. So I'm going to go through and actually turn that feature on, or it might be actually turning something off um, to make my environment more secure. So yeah, strongly recommend the O365 the scorecard if people haven't had a look at that already. You mentioned it right at the introduction there that small to medium businesses are being really heavily impacted by cybercrime. And, and it's not just, you know, as I said at the beginning, it's not just viruses. You know, payment diversion fraud is probably the number one thing that we're seeing uh, at the moment. So for those that aren't aware, payment diversion fraud is generally where your 0365 environment, in other words, your emails get compromised, but you don't know that it's compromised. And so what happens is a bad actor starts to see all of the correspondence that you've got happening with your your customers and your your, uh, vendors, um, and they basically sit and wait. And what they're waiting for is an opportunity to intercept an email and to actually put in some different bank account details on a payment. So, for example, um, you might have a distributor that you pay on a monthly basis and they send you uh, a monthly invoice. So they just wait for the the right time. And as that email comes in from your distributor, they quickly delete the email before you see it. Mm -hmm. And they actually deliver an email that looks exactly like the distributor's email. It's got everything the same, but the only difference is the bank account details. So you go ahead and pay your monthly invoice like you normally would thinking, oh, yes, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm paying my, uh, my supplier, as I always do. But in actual fact, what you've done is you've paid the bad guys. Uh, and, and we've seen cases where people have inadvertently paid hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, to cyber criminals. Simply through this, this payment diversion fraud and, and basically having a compromised email. List.
0: Are you looking to grow your business? We have a fantastic team of experience led business advisors and online toolboxes that can guide you to scaling your business. You can find all the information at businesscenter.com.au.
3: I'm a new business, I'm a startup. Kristen over here, she's very well established. She's been running her business for 10 years we'll get to Kristen in a minute, but myself, I have no idea what's going on. Let's just say I'm selling some jewelry, a new little startup. That's what I'm doing, but I need help because I'm solely selling online and maybe at some markets. So, I'm coming to you now for some help and some guidance on what I do. I use social media a lot. So can you run through a scenario and we'll role play it a little bit?
4: Probably the single most important thing is just to be aware and to not bury your head in the sand because, you know, honestly, I, I do see that. I, I see people that think it's all too hard and that uh, having a secure environment is, is going to take time and effort, and money that I just don't have. And I just, I just want to sell jewelry. I don't want to think about anything else. So, so probably the number one thing, if anything, is just attitude. Okay. Um, so probably the second thing is the the concept of being aware and not just yourself but your entire organization so you need to make sure that your staff are aware of cyber security threats okay. so one of the the basic ways to do that is just cyber training so it's mm-hmm. something that diamond does but it's something that there's you know a lot of organizations do as well there's even training that's online okay and Look, I think this is really a, a critical concept for people. We, we call it the, the human firewall. So everyone's, everyone knows of, you know, the firewall that you have for your business, which is, you know, a box that sits in the corner and, you know, routes all of your, your internet traffic. But what we're talking about here is actually more a behavioural firewall. So what, what does that mean? It just means people being aware of threats. So, for example, um, let, let's say somebody discovers a, a USB stick that's on the reception counter in, mm-hmm. in your organization. Now, you might think, oh, fantastic. This is a free USB stick. Nobody's claiming it. I might just throw that into my computer and away I go. If you're not aware, you might have just infected your, your organization's network and, and potentially a cloud environment as well. Okay. So just the awareness of what are the techniques they use to compromise my network. Mm-hmm. And and through that knowledge, you will know, okay, if there's a random USB stick that just suddenly appears, uh, throw it in the bin. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, whatever you do, do not put it in the computer. Yeah, okay. we'll throw it in the bin. Uh, stuff like that just shouldn't happen. If you get uh, an email from a supplier that, uh, that says, oh, our bank account details have changed, you know, okay. please pay into this new bank account. Again, using the same example that we had before, that should immediately trigger in you uh, a question of, okay, well, that, that's, unusual. I wasn't expecting a change of bank account. Maybe I should actually give them a call. Maybe I should get somebody on the phone, call a number. I know who they are and say, hey, did you just send me an email to say that the invoice needs to be paid into a new bank account? The answer might be yes, but it could be, oh, no, that's, you know, no, we don't have a new bank account. And again, that's then just a signal for you to to realize. So Mm -hmm. that all comes about just from training and awareness. Okay. Um, and, and I know that the business centre are doing things around this as well. It's really just important to not put your head in the sand, be mm-hmm. aware of it and, and tackle it front on. So that, that's probably right. my number one strategy for, for businesses is just to, just to be aware. We, we talked about some of the other strategies as well and they're probably more technical in nature, but just things like use a password manager, um, mm-hmm. have two-factor authentication set up. All of those things are really important as well. But yeah, again, I think the number one thing is just to, to um, have that training Create a human firewall and I think you go a long way to protecting
3: and Sorry. what about Kristen over here with her really amazing business? It's doing really, really well. What advice would you have for her? Uh, she doesn't use USBs because I think her computer doesn't accept them. It could be a new Mac old. or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm oh, talking oh, a new, new ones. One. New ones yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, or the old ones do, don't the, they? Yes. Yeah. And, and you're, you're a company of about, I'm going to say, let's say 200 and everyone at the moment is working remotely and some are even globally. So tell me some cloud-based security around that. And, and and what are some things that she needs to know and be aware of and and how can you help her? She has a firewall and she has a password manager, but that's that's the scope of it.
4: Yeah, I understand. Yeah, look, for larger, more mature businesses, there, there definitely are some different considerations. So I think one of the main ones is, you know, whether it's an internal IT, IT team or whether you're using a, an outsourced provider, typically... In a mature business that's been around, you've got 200 staff, you're going to have pretty good protections in place. So you're going to have antivirus, you're going to have firewalls, you're going to have all of those standard things that we all we talked about this morning and that we, we know are important. What more mature businesses need is better visibility. So the traditional tools that, that can protect a network don't necessarily alert the business or the IT team to threats that are actually happening in real time. So there's particular tools that you can use to actually gain visibility about what's going on. And let me give you a really simple example of that. Let's say that you've got um, a user, John, and John, you know, he's based in Newcastle and, and you know, logs into his Newcastle email at, say, 9 a.m. At 10 a.m., that same user, John, logs in from Russia, I'm picking on Russia here. <laughs> now, is it possible for John to get from Newcastle at 9am to Russia at 10am? Is that, is that physically possible? Of course it's not. Mm. And so while that won't necessarily trigger a protection, there's nothing that stops that from happening. If you have the appropriate monitoring tools in place, the appropriate visibility, then you'll be able to pick up that something's gone wrong there and perhaps that person's actually given away their credentials and now a bad actor is logging in as them to their their emails or or something else. So the way that I would explain this is to think about, I suppose, you know, your your business and, you know, you might, or or your house for that matter, you might put, you know, you put a lock on the front door, you might put a lock on your windows, um, you might install uh, an alarm system these are all analogous really to the protections that you put in place for protecting against cyber threats. But that's distinct and different from having, for example, a CCTV camera system. So the CCTV camera system or a movement sensor, it's monitoring what's happening in real time. And so again, if we we take that analogy back a step, I think what a lot of even mature businesses do is they focus a lot of attention on protection and taking the strategy of, I'm just not going to let the bad guys in. That's my strategy is I'm going to do everything I can to stop the bad guys coming in. And really that's unrealistic. These days, it's not a question of if, but when you're going to get a compromise, you will get compromised. Okay. Now, the question is, are you going to be aware that you're compromised? And again, that's where, that's where I think a lot of businesses need to change some of their strategies around just thinking and budgeting for protection and actually spending some of that, that budget on visibility and monitoring tools so that you can capture in real time that a breach has occurred and you can react as, as quickly as possible.
3: So are you saying that there's things in place where I can watch my business in real time of threat actors potentially being in there and that's something like yourself and Diamond IT does is that you not only provide that first gate essentially coming in but you're also within my network whilst I work, keeping an eye on it.
4: that's exactly right yeah so so the ongoing monitoring so that example i used before where there's a login at nine o'clock in newcastle and then a login Mm -hmm. again there's no protection mechanisms that stop that That, Mm -hmm. that's actually there's there's nothing you can do to prevent that but what you can do is have a monitoring system that will tell you about it straight away and will say wait a minute there's some really unusual activity going on here Mm -hmm. a security expert should go and investigate how that's happened now Mm -hmm. It's possible that it's actually entirely legitimate activity. So, for example, we we had a, a company where an alarm got flagged because one of their staff members logged in from Serbia,
0: <laughs>
4: and we actually called the organisation and we said, uh, you know, we're just we're just calling because a, an alarm's been raised in our security monitoring system. Um, we've had a, a login attempt from one of your users in Serbia. And they laughed and they said, oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's you, know, you know, John, he, he's actually from Serbia. And so he's gone home <laughs> to spend time with family and he's logged into his emails while he was over there. So it, it's not always a threat. Okay. But the point is that the monitoring system picked up some unusual mm, behavior and that unusual behavior was, hey, somebody's logged in from a foreign country, but that, that's generally not normal behavior. So somebody should at least ask a question about whether that's, that's um, a problem or is it okay?
3: And so is that something that you need to have through an IT provider that you work with all the time or is it something that can be automated within your systems?
4: That's a really good question, and you know again, if we're looking at that 200 person organization, unfortunately the question is it depends yeah <laughs> look it it's it's quite challenging for most businesses unless they're very large, unless they're more on the enterprise side okay. to really set up a, an adequate um, security monitoring center internally it does require some sophisticated tools but more than just the tools it requires security analysts as we just talked about to be actually Mm. monitoring that activity and and actually diving in and looking for threats as well. So not just looking for alarms, but actually going through the logs and saying, okay, is this all correct? Yep, that looks fine. Oh, no, that that looks like there could be a problem over here. So so you need analysts and you need the tools. And and it's hard for for small to medium businesses really to mm. to do that themselves. So yeah, I, I would say that I think outsourcing that function does make a lot of sense. Um, as you go into more the enterprise space, then certainly those organisations can. Can often have those functions done internally.
0: Do you have a business idea, but you're not sure it'll work? We have small business toolboxes and expert business advisors to support and guide you through your startup process. Contact us via our website to find out how. Businesscenter.com.au.
3: So traditional security, it doesn't work in the cloud. For, and please stop me and remind me or, you know, edit me as you will. But is this because there's no, like, perimeter to protect? There's the manual processes can't occur without the necessary scale or speed and the lack of centralisation, which makes it visibly extremely difficult to achieve. Are they some of the things that you've been alluding to in regards to firewalls, etc.
4: earlier on? Yeah, 100% hundred percent. So a really great example of this that I see all the time is Dropbox. Okay, cool. So yeah, yeah. What people do is, you know, they need to share a file with another company. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe the the organization that they're working for right now doesn't have a mechanism for, for sharing large files. And so they just take it upon themselves to create their own personal Dropbox accounts so that they can share these large files. That's really hard for IT administrators to manage that because what you've got is somebody using a personal Dropbox account, putting company information into that personal Dropbox account to then share it with other people. Now, what happens when that person leaves the organization? Mm. They've actually potentially got this sensitive company information in their own personal Dropbox. So that's where, again, you know, uh, yeah, as we talked about, stepping beyond just traditional um, antivirus and, and having a firewall, this is where cloud is so much more complex from a security standpoint because There's all of these different, you know, the term is attack surfaces. There's all of these different functions and and, uh, applications that that are used. And as IT administrators and and IT service providers, we need to be thinking about, well, how do we protect all of those different applications, not just the ones that are inside the organisation?
3: That's a really good point that you just said that with the Dropbox. I'd love to explore that more, if that's okay with you, because that's, to be honest, I've never thought about that. Yeah,
4: Yeah. look, uh, it's, it's such a common story. I hear it all the time. And, you know, I often hear about organisations where the owner of the business has mandated that uh, we're not going to have a server, we're not going to have a, a file server anymore. I want to just put all of our files in the cloud. And that's okay. That's, that's an okay strategy. But it needs to be done thoughtfully and it needs to be done securely. And, and just all too often what what we see is, particularly small businesses, I think, fall victim to this where they just, they look around and they think, oh, what's the quickest and cheapest way I can do this? I'll just set up a free Dropbox account. <laughs> and okay. and they put a lot of quite sensitive information into, you know, a Dropbox account. And then they might say, they might share it with the staff, for example, but then one mm-hmm. of the staff might share it with an external organization. And you you can get yourself into a real pickle by by not planning and being are uh, very deliberate about your your file sharing strategy so uh, I've got nothing against Dropbox I should just point that out mm-hmm. Dropbox is just fine but when it's not done thoughtfully and when people are allowed to set up their own you know personal Dropbox accounts and you don't have a policy around where files are stored for example mm-hmm. you can run into a lot of trouble
3: so can can we talk about also some of the training sessions that you do have and can help me out with? Our businesses, and at what size that you're at.
4: Yeah, look, we can we can help businesses of all sizes really with that. We we do typically deal with I suppose more medium sized and and larger organisations. But yeah. the training strategy we have is I suppose it's really twofold. We we'd like to do face to face training coupled with some online training, and, and we actually set up a program of online training for people. Okay. The reason that we like to do both, I think, is everyone's a little bit different in the way that they learn. And uh-huh. what we see all too often is if a company, if you just say, okay, well, here's all this online content, go and listen to it when you have time, what we find is that the adoption rate is really very low. You know, people are too busy. They're too worried about the things that they do day to day. And that's that's understandable. And so, oh, yeah, I'll get around to that one day. So we we generally find that there's quite poor adoption if you just simply go with a cloud-based online training system. So okay. we, we like to do both. We like to kick things off with an actual personalised session where one of our um, business technology consultants actually comes out and delivers some personalised training. Mm-hmm. What we then do is... Because training is not a one uh, a, a sort of single event, it's, it's obviously something that's ongoing over time. So yeah. what we do is then set up some online training and we set some goals for people to achieve these online trainings before a certain time frame. Coupled with that, what we do is some testing. So we do the testing right at the very beginning. And what we're really testing people for is their cyber awareness. So we will test everybody in the organisation. And what we might do, for example, is send them a phishing email. Mm. Okay, so I think by now everyone probably knows what a phishing email is. It's basically mm-hmm. a, a, an email that gets sent by the bad guys and what they're trying to do is get you to click on a link and then to give up your personal information or to download something or something of that nature.
3: And is phishing, phishing that real basic, basic entry point, isn't it? And then because there's phishing, spear phishing and we can, yeah, but phishing the low levelest one.
4: It's probably the the single most prevalent way that that bad actors infiltrate a network is through okay. through a phishing email. Yeah, it's okay. it's it's really the number one way. So so it's really important that that users are aware of it. So going back to the training what we do is we we do that initial phishing test and we we see how organizations go and It's always very enlightening. Businesses are often shocked because you show them the phishing email that you're going to send and the business owner goes, nah, nobody's going to fall for that. There's no way. And then you send them the report and lo and behold, you know, 15 or 20% of their staff clicked on the link. Okay. And then a further, you know, 5 or 10% actually gave up personal credentials. It's really astonishing to see that when you when you run that first test, you will be very surprised that probably I suppose the lack of cyber awareness. So yeah. what happens is we keep doing those tests and then after 12 months we then compare back to where you started and it's really amazing to see those results. Um, if, if you do the cyber training and you, you're consistent with it and you make sure staff are actually um, taking some time out of their day to, to get it done. And these are very short snippets, by the way, you know, often just five, 10 minutes sort of short uh, online training in 12 months time. You see those results drop right down and, and, and oftentimes down to zero. Uh, which is exactly what you want. But, uh, yeah, it's always a surprise to business owners uh, that first time around, the first report that they get when they uh, find out, you know, 20% of their staff or more have fallen victim to a phishing attack.
3: So having those upskilling opportunities as well, does that give you a bit more credibility? Uh, within a business that, that you've personally seen by able to have it listed somewhere on your website?
4: Yeah, I, I think if you mean, you know, how important is it in terms of things like, you know, insurance companies uh, are okay. taking this very seriously now, you know, so if you can demonstrate that you have a cyber training program, you know, that mm-hmm. might actually reduce your premiums, so your cyber, cyber protection premiums. There's lots of different industry bodies now too, depending on which organisations you deal with. So if you have anything to do with the government, whether that's defence or, or anything to do with with health, actually there's a lot of mandates now around a certain cyber posture that you need to have and training is actually one of the things that, that is actually mandated that you actually must have if you're dealing with a government agency. Yeah, look, I think it's, it's one of those things that's really important. There, there's lots of other things that are mandated. Anyone that's interested if they do deal with the government in any form, certainly mm-hmm. check out the um, Essential Eight. So if you mm-hmm. just Google Essential Eight, Australian Cyber, there's a great website that it's, it's um, done basically by the federal government. And it has a lot of really practical tips on how you can improve your, your cybersecurity posture. Uh, so I'd, I'd highly recommend uh, that for, for any organisation, particularly not-for-profits where they might get funding from government. But that's a really common one. They need to start thinking about this now if they're, if they're not already.
0: If you have a business problem or question, get in touch with us. We can get our team of advisors and experts to help you with your business problems in an upcoming show.
3: I'd like to ask you and throw it over to you, though. What is it that we haven't touched on today that we would like to talk about in regards to cloud security? What is the most important thing? What do you see coming through? What's your predictions? And I guess, how can cybersecurity experts and IT professionals help?
4: Yeah, look, I think maybe the only thing that we haven't really touched on, well, we started to touch on, but we didn't go into detail, was around phishing. So if we can just circle back to phishing. Let's do that. I think what a lot of organisations do, small and large, is that they implement an anti-spam platform. So they feel like they've done all they can. We've put in place an anti-spam platform. That's pretty much it. I've, I've got the protection in place. If a phishing email comes through, there's nothing I can do about that. They sort of throw their hands up. There, there actually are technologies available now that go a lot deeper than just your traditional anti-spam. And, and I think that's worth people investigating and having a look at. So some of them are offered by, you know, Google and Microsoft. So again, if we talk about that 0365 that we mentioned before, 0365 has a, has a baseline level of anti-spam protection, but it's really very basic.
3: Oh, okay. And
4: they have an additional feature that you can turn on, advanced threat protection, which gives you a lot better protection than just the, the default. But you can even go beyond that. And there's some really quite clever tools that can essentially view the emails that are coming in and they essentially run something called a sandbox. Now, that's a technical Mm -hmm. term, but essentially all it really means is that whatever the email is, they execute an open anything that's inside the email. So if it's an attachment, they open the attachment. If it's a web link or a URL, they go to the URL to see what what it does, see what the behavior is. And let's say, for example, you receive an email and it sends you to a domain and the domain was only created a week ago. That immediately is going to raise an alarm bell. Because that's often how how bad actors infiltrate networks is that they create a dummy domain, send it to a, a nefarious web server that that's got uh, you know malware and and uh, and and what it does is you know by clicking on that link you're going to this infected site and you're actually infecting yourself just by going to that to that web link. Mm-hmm. So so what this sandbox environment does is it sees that activity and goes, oh, there's some bad stuff there. So I'm not going to deliver that email. and I'm actually going to deliver it out. So... (laughs) So if you think about traditional anti-spam, what it's really doing is it's just looking for keywords or really obvious signals and signs that this is, this is a spam email and it should be ignored. Okay. But the bad guys are just getting more and more sophisticated and, and they know that everyone has anti-spam protection in place or basic anti-spam protection. And so they're getting more and cl- more and more clever. I think at working around the traditional anti-spam. So that's, that's probably one additional thing that I'd probably add just to the conversation is have a think about some more advanced anti-phishing protection. Uh, it can be expensive. Okay. Uh, that's that's probably the one downside. Is that the the there's some great tools out there, but they do cost more. Mm-hmm. But I I think. I really do think it's worth considering because as i said before it is the number one way that uh, cyber criminals are gaining entry into people's environments cloud environments in particular is through phishing email
3: i guess i would also like to say on that let's just say my personal email let's just say i don't have all those extra protections on there for my personal okay mm. however for my business account and counts i know for a fact that a lot get quarantined. So I guess that's what this sandboxing is. So my IT provider, it stops, it comes through, but it doesn't actually come to me straight away. It sits over in a different little folder and I have to take myself into that other little folder once I realise that that's there and go, oh, hang on. I was actually waiting for an email from Diamond IT, but for some reason, my other IT provider has put him in this little sandbox and they're waiting for me to say, no, this is legit and I'm going to hit accept. So that's what you're saying, isn't it? So you know, I'm protecting myself.
4: Yeah, actually it's it's beyond quarantining. So okay. so quarantining's actually been a standard part of anti-spam protection for a really long time. So this is actually a step beyond that, because okay. what, what happens in the quarantining process is that as an email comes in, the whole email gets looked at and evaluated and gets given a score. Okay. And the score is based on a whole lot of different factors. Is the domain sure. that it's coming from, new or old, is, you know, all of these different things. Um, and based on that score, if it goes below a certain threshold, it goes into mm-hmm. a quarantine. And that's what you're talking about is you okay. no doubt get sent a, a list of emails that are being quarantined. And if one actually looks like it's a false positive and actually yep. I, I, that's, a, that's a legitimate email, you can click on a link and, and it sends you the email. Sure. Sandboxing's more sophisticated than that. Okay. It's, cool. it's not just giving your email a rating. It's actually mm-hmm. executing all of the different things inside the email. So it's actually looking at the behaviour. It's actually using artificial intelligence to look at the behaviour of everything inside that email. Again, whether it's an attachment or whether it's just a URL link. So yeah, it's it's a level beyond just just anti, uh, the traditional anti-spam and quarantining system. That's really cool Ooh, to know. It is. Yeah.
3: yeah. Definitely cool. Didn't really... Th- didn't understand that you could do all of those sorts of things so that's really good Hmm. all
2: right so to sum up our chat today what would be the three key takeaways from let me guess let me guess it'll be a password (laughs) (laughs) multi multi (laughs) multi-factor
4: Yeah, I, I'm going to sound really boring here, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I think I think staff training is probably, okay. if I had to put okay, one at the top of the okay. list, staff yeah, training. Good one. You know, I just think okay. that's so important. Forming that human firewall is just so important because I, I, I can't say it enough. It, it's not a question of if it's a question of when. You will have a breach at some point, I, I almost guarantee it. And a lot of business owners I know will be nodding their heads and say, yes, we've, we've had one at some point, you know, we've had some serious breach. And so the more educated your staff are, the more aware they're going to be to those threats and the less likely yeah. you are to have, uh, have a compromise. So that's number one. Makes like so much sense. Yeah, yeah, look, it really yeah. does. And and But you're right, you know, the other things are the obvious ones, you know, make mm. sure you have multi-factor authentication on as, as many of your cloud platforms as you possibly can. You know, don't think of it as an inconvenience, just think mm. of it as a necessary lock on the door. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's not always convenient to have to deadlock your door, but, you know, sometimes that's just the price that you pay. And, yeah, having, having a password manager I think is a great idea and, and okay. everyone should have one. Uh, the worst thing you can do is, you know, have either a sticky note or, or a text <laughs> file on your computer or something like that with all of your passwords written down. You, you are absolutely putting yourself at risk if you have anything like that. So, yeah, get a password manager if you don't have one already.
3: Awesome. And, um, and then I guess, you know, final, final step is if you've done all of those things and you need, need someone to check over it or need extra help to reach out to cybersecurity professionals in those areas and just pick up the phone, make a call and yeah, go from there. Thank you so very much for your time today, Martin. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting
1: to you again. So thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more, we recommend checking out our Cybersecurity Culture Program. This project is funded by the Australian Government Department of Industry Science, Energy and Resources through the Cybersecurity Business Connect and Protect Program. Whether you have a micro, small, medium, or large business, cybersecurity is everyone's business. It's up to everyone to be aware, know how to protect, and how to act if breached. Feel free to reach out and connect with our cyber experts to review your cyber fitness, strengthen your cybersecurity, and implement strategies that will help protect your customers and your brand. Call the Business Centre on 4925 7700 or connect via our website, businesscentre.com.au. Would you like to connect with Martin from Diamond IT? Contact us at the Business Centre and we'll pass on your inquiry.
0: Thanks for listening to the Business Big Bang Theory podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast today, please review and rate us through iTunes and follow and share on Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn at the Business Centre.